0: I am Chris Levine and I will be your host again this time around. Today we are going to be talking about a psychological tactic used in various ways to make you feel identifiable or understood. It is called the Forer Effect. Now, interestingly, it's also called the Barnum Effect at the same time. We'll get into that in just a second. A website called How Stuff Works said this about the Forer or the Barnum effect, and I think it it sums it up pretty well. It said, welcome, my friends, to the Forer effect, also referred to as the Barnum effect, after famous showman P.T. Barnum, who was happy to manipulate people by drawing on their belief that he understood their personality in some implicit way. What was really happening? Simple. Barnum was giving a very broad description of personality and finding that everyone was gullible enough to consider the terms unique to them. What does all this mean? Well, think about people who employ themselves as psychics. They often use this. But, but it doesn't stop there. In fact, knowingly or unknowingly, a lot of people do this to make impressions on other people. Uh, The Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology gives us some background here, too. In 1948, in what has been described as a classic experiment, a psychologist named Bertram Forer gave a psychology test. Now He called this his diagnostic interest blank. And he gave it to 39 of his psychology students who were told that they would each receive a brief personality vignette based on their test results. One week later, Forer gave each student a purportedly individualized vignette and asked each of them to rate on how well it applied. But here's what's cool. In reality, the students didn't know this, but they all received the same vignette. They all got the same personality checklist. So what was on that? Well, I'm going to read you some of them. Here they are. And this really, really shows what we're talking about in a nutshell. What they were told individually, again, not knowing the rest of the people there got the same thing. You have a great need for other people to like and admire you. You have a tendency to be critical of yourself. You have a great deal of unused capacity when you have not turned to your advantage. While you have some personality weaknesses, you are generally able to compensate for them. Disciplined and self-controlled outside, you tend to be worrisome and insecure inside. At times, you have serious doubts as to whether you have made the right decision or done the right thing. You prefer a certain amount of change and variety and become dissatisfied when hemmed in by restrictions and limitations. At times, you're extroverted, affable, sociable, while at other times, you're introverted, wary, and reserved. Some of your aspirations tend to be pretty unrealistic, and security is one of your major goals in life. What's the point of all this? Even though this same piece of paper with this same result was passed out to all of the different students, they all thought, wow, that's me. He's describing me perfectly. The thing is, though, and this was the experiment, that when you really look at each one of those line items, it's essentially just describing all human beings. It's it's the equivalent to saying something like this. You know, I I think we're pretty good friends. I think I know you pretty well. When you're hungry, you are probably driven to eat something. Am I right? How did you know? Are you psychic or something? No, I just asked to such a broad and easily answerable question that, that I knew that you're going to give me the answer I want you to give me. That is the forer effect. It's creating some sort of camaraderie when you don't necessarily really have one. My favorite one on this list is the one that covered all the bases. It said, at times you're extroverted, affable, sociable, while at other times you are introverted, wary, reserved. Another favorite was security is one of your major goals in life. Who doesn't want security? who doesn't that apply to? See, one way all of this is used, and usually in a non-manipulative way, is just by people trying to find common ground with someone else. And people may not even be aware that they're doing this. Example, two people are getting to know each other. The first person asks the second person, do you like movies? The second person says, yeah. The first person then says, I can't believe how much we have in common. I like movies too let's stop a minute. Do they have this in common? What if one of them likes documentaries about puppies and kittens and the other likes the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? The point is, with broad questions, we can fake common ground. Another example, do you like ice cream? Who's going to say no? I mean, unless someone is part of a tiny group that doesn't like every conceivable flavor of ice cream, you are fairly guaranteed that you're going to have that in common with most other human beings that have tried it. Even those that may be lactose intolerant, they don't usually not like ice cream. They're just forced to have to avoid it. Even vegans, and I can speak to this when I was one for two years, we still craved it. We used dairy-free, but it's still as a dairy-free product in most of the shopping carts of most vegans that I knew from time to time. Salespeople do this too. Notice what a salesperson does as found in an article from a professional painting contractor website. I'll read it to you. He said, keep your eyes open when you arrive for your first estimate. If the garage door is open, I look inside for golf clubs. Or kids toys or a croquet set gives me a little clue. When I go into the house, I look for pictures on the wall for family or a workout area. I find out what's important to them and I make sure that they know that that is important to me. If they have a swing set in the backyard, I love talking a little bit about my kids. If they have a workout room, I like to let them know that I wish I had more time to work out. It's showing them that you're like them. You're not some shyster trying to take the kid's college fund. You're just a regular guy or a regular gal providing a needed service. If you happen to be from the same town, that can be used to make a connection. A lot of time that gets a person hired on its own, just the fact that you live in the same area or the same neighborhood. The last line, which is, is my favorite, and it's why I'm mentioning all of this. He said, again, finding common ground is powerful because people tend to want to work around people that are more like them. That is using the forer effect. We also, though, may use it in an encouraging way. Example, you see a woman start to cry after an argument on a phone with someone in a waiting room. We may say, I'm sorry. You'll be okay. It's not your fault. In reality, though, do we really know that? It may be all her fault, and she may not be okay. But at the moment, none of that matters. You just want to be reassuring. We also deal with things differently. But we have a tendency to say things like, oh, I know exactly how you feel, or I understand exactly what you're going through. But do we? Take the death of a loved one. That may anger one person, and it may sadden another person. And then these emotions are interchangeable. They may change for both of them from time to time. See, we just need to realize with all this that while it can be innocent, that there are people out there that use the forer effect, whether knowingly or unknowingly, to manipulate, for example, and to take money off of people. Psychology Today said this in this regard. They wrote about the way in which people exploit the forer effect to take advantage of victims or marks. They provided a list of factors that help these to do this to their prey. For example, these are more likely to be successful if they exude an air of confidence. If you look and act as if you believe in what you're doing, you'll be able to sell it with most of your subjects. If they make creative use of the latest statistical abstract polls and surveys, showing you what various subclasses of our society believe, do, want, worry about, and so on. If they employ a gimmick, if they are alerted to the clues provided about their clients, such as details, looking at their clothing or their jewelry or their mannerisms or their speech and if they use flattery. See, sometimes people read us to different degrees, and then they sell us on the fact that they know us or we're just like them. And it's not true. It's the Forer effect. To close, what is the antidote to all of this? Communication. Then you'll find out if you both love pistachio ice cream, Or just ice cream in general see if people find legitimate common ground with us that's great but either way do we need the product that we're that we're being offered do we need what it is that they're selling be flattered but not to the point of losing your mind or your sensibilities one last thing people often get this stuff wrong like algorithms can totally be wrong Facebook for example recognizes me as a person who lives in Texas as they know that information so when they list or display things I must be interested in all of the kinds of things listed because I'm from Texas and I'm interested in almost none of the things that they tell me that i should be interested in see this stereotyping doesn't work as while i live in texas and i'm perfectly content and happy here i'm by no means a texan no disrespect intended it's just my roots are not here the point if they knew me they would know what to recommend to me they would know my real interests probably in detail and they probably didn't want to find out as part of a sales checklist. So again, genuine communication is king. This separates the men from the boys, so to speak, when it comes to friendships, and it weeds out the weaselly shysters that may only be using the forer effect. We once again have arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist that we think will complement this episode. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast entitled The Forer Effect. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash The Forer Effect, F-O-R-E-R. What do we got this time? Track number one, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs with the song Maps. Number two, from the album Parade. It's the song I Wonder You by Prince. Number three, Placebo with It's Only Obvious. Number four, Figure It Out by Alan Stone. Number five, the band Spirit with I Got a Line on You. Number six, Trick by Matthew Sweet. Number seven is a band called the Northern Picture Library with the song Signs. Number seven is DJ Shadow with What Does Your Soul Look Like? Part One. And number 10 is Elliot Smith with I Don't Think I'm Ever Gonna Figure It Out. Did you hear that bang? I don't know what that was. Did you seriously, did you hear that big explosive thing? If not, I'm sorry. If you did, you know. Let me know what you think it is. That's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in "Refresher Podcast Dash The Forer Effect." You guys have asked more than once, and because you have, and I know I've mentioned it before, but i I'd like to tell you that if you'd like to read some of my interview books, or for that matter, any of my books, they are out there on the worldwide interweb at lulu.com. That's the website lulu.com. Just type in Christopher Levine in the search and there you go. Uh, regarding the interview books, volume one is Alt-Rock Innovators. It has my interviews with bands, including members of the Ramones, the Stooges, X, Patti Smith Group, and many more. Volume two, Modern Rockers, New Wavers, and Reggae Greats has my interviews with members of the specials, ABC, The Stray Cats, The English Beat, Echo and the Bunnymen, lots of good ones. Number three is the blues, rock, and hip-hop, and that includes Public Enemy interviews with Guns N' Roses, uh, Journey, Def Leppard, Run DMC, a bunch more people. Uh, Volume four, no, it's not the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's the soul, the jazz, and the funky including interview pieces with members of the Supremes, Sly and the Family Stone, and Parliament Funkadelic, just to name a few. There is also a a volume five called Sharing Found Treasures, as well as the original Eclectablogs book, a short story called The Definitive Manifesto of Carlos Jones, as well as my other book entitled Can't Sit Still, why your favorite bands and singers sometimes alienate you as a poor, confused listener. So if you need something for your coffee table, library, or nightstand, those are available. Again, just search Christopher Levine at lulu.com. We would like to welcome some new listeners to our little show. Our demographics report this time around shows that we now have listeners in Faro, Portugal. According to what I looked up, looks like this is situated in a cliffside location and has become famous for its 20 beaches. How beautiful. Welcome to Refresher. Thank you so much for listening. This show simply would not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Just let them know we exist. And if you think they'll be entertained by it, even better. Also, If you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you may make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If you are inclined to do so, that would be great. But whether you do or you don't, feel free to listen and enjoy any time. And thank you to all those who on a regular basis do this. We appreciate you. As always... The music that begins and ends this podcast is the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We will see you next time. Bye. Mm-hmm.